0: If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11 tonight. We've been going through a series this month. We've been so blessed uh, to look into God's word and to be inspired, to be challenged and encouraged uh, this month as we've been talking about heroes of faith. Praise God. It's been, it's been such a blessing, and I'm blessed tonight to, uh, to continue that series. Um, Brother Manny opened up uh, talking about Abraham and Abraham's faith, how he was obedient. And then Pastor Dan followed, followed the next week and talked about Moses and his faith. And Pastor Bob last week uh, ministered a message on the faith of Abel and uh, his offering, how God was pleased with what he gave. So uh, we've been blessed We've been really encouraged, and tonight I pray that it's no different, that God would continue to uh, encourage us. And as we get ready to read uh, here in 11, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, it's called the Hall of Faith in this chapter. There are many uh, people in the in the Word of God that are spoken about here in Hebrews chapter 11. People that took a stand, that while the odds were against them and while their, their future was uncertain, they took a stand for righteousness. They took a stand for God and for Christ. And they made an impact in their world. They did what was unpopular. You know, sometimes society is just doing, they're all going one direction. And God has, has called us to, make, to, to, to stand, to, to make a difference in this world. As those here in Hebrews chapter 11, as they strived to please God in their lives. This chapter and what we're going to be talking about tonight, what we're going to be reading, it, it encourages us to ask ourselves, what do I want to be remembered for? You know, we're just given one life. We have a certain amount of years, and as time goes on, I don't know about you, but that's becoming more and more of a reality as, as life just passes, and time has a funny way of just of just moving on and and we have to, the Bible says we have to redeem the time. We have to ask ourselves, what do we want to be remembered for? There are many in this world that have, they strive for accolades. They strive for certain material accomplishments, certain things that they have deemed a priority. But when they're on their deathbed, sometimes I think many might question those decisions that they've made. So tonight, you and I are blessed with a chance to answer that question in our lives, what do we want to be remembered for? Tonight, we're going to be talking about a powerful person in the Word of God, and her name was Rahab, That she was a hero of faith, while some who might first hear what her occupation was and, who, and, and what she was about, they may have a distasteful and a A low opinion about who this person was. But the word of God is so gracious. God's will and God's power is so gracious in our lives. And and he deems her a hero in the word of God. And we're going to see what that means here in just a moment. The story of Rahab is a beautiful story of God's grace. Of God's power. Of God's promise and redemption. And tonight as we get ready to read Hebrews 11. I want to minister a message entitled, A Beautiful Legacy Tonight. You know, I thank God for what he's doing in my life, what he's done, where he's brought me from. You know, I could stand up here and say that I'm a work in progress, that I'm thankful, as the saying goes, for where God has brought me from, but I'm looking forward to to what he's going to do in my life. That I'm not where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be, right? We heard that before. We're thankful to all that, for all that God's done in our life, and I'm thankful in my life for what He's done. I look back in my life as, as a young child, how God has placed people in my life strategically at that perfect opportunity, that perfect time to plant seeds of faith in my life, As a, yes, as a young boy, as a child. Many would have just looked over and passed over. Some looked into my life and saw promise, and they planted seeds of faith in my life when I was but a child. I think of my parents. I think of grandparents. I think of my family, guardians. I think of elders. And I want to minister to you here just for a moment to encourage you that parents, grandparents, guardians, elders, those that are blessed to, to have influence over others, to never forget the importance of transferring your faith to the next generation. Never forget the importance I'm here today because someone saw me as important enough to to share the good news of Christ as a young child. To be able to take a moment and to tell me that Jesus loved me and that God had a perfect plan for my life, that God had a plan for my life. You know how wonderful that sounded to me as as a young child? It's amazing. You know, children never forget. So guardians, parents, parents, grandparents let's remember that we can never take it for granted and that we have to be faithful to transfer our faith to the next generation you know to this very day my my kids remind me yes pastor matt they remind me to pray daddy did we pray did we pray yet? daddy we forgot to pray and they remind me and i i thank god for the wonderful work first of all for what God's doing in the Holy Spirit, for the work of my wife with our children, teaching them to pray, teaching them the importance of praying. And when they come here to church, they come to nursery, there. They're, that, that's reinforced. My daughter's in impact right now. My kids are in nursery, and I know they're being taught the word of God there. I thank God for family and friends. I love them so much that plant the seeds of faith in their lives, and it has made all the difference. And you know what it is? It's people, just ordinary people like you and I that have said yes. God, I want you to use my life. God, use my life today. Help me to minister to someone. Help me to encourage someone. That's why I'm here today, because I think of my grandparents who said yes to Jesus. They were obedient to him. They planted seeds of faith. Now, the Bible says here in Hebrews 11, verse 31, it was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God. For she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. I want to ask you a question tonight. Have you ever felt like your past is dictating your story? Have you ever felt like your past failures are directing your life? That your past failures and things that you're not proud of, the things that you're ashamed of. Have you ever felt that those things are having so much of an influence in your life? And I'm talking to believers tonight. We're washed by the blood of Jesus. We're forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. We're, We're set free. We're redeemed. We thank God for his power. But I can speak even to the believer and to the unbeliever tonight. Have you ever felt like your past? It's continually there, and it's trying to catch up to you. It's trying to direct your life. It's trying to tell you where to go and what to do. Have you ever felt like your past was dictating your story? Well, tonight we're going to be blessed. We're going to be blessed because we're going to read about Rahab. We're going to be, read about this powerful story and this hero of faith. And we're going to be able to relate tonight. You know, the word of God is powerful. It's, it's filled with so many colorful characters. It's filled with with those that were thieves that God used to impact their nation. It's it's filled with tax collectors, right? Tax collectors who were looked at as the most base people there in the New Testament, and God used their life. It's filled with people who, who betrayed others. It's filled with people who who were failures, who made bad mistakes, but God still had grace upon their life and his plan was still intact for them. Aren't you thankful for that tonight? Praise God. And Rahab is a perfect example of this. So the Bible says it was, faith, it was by faith that Rahab, the prostitute, was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Praise God. Let's bow our heads tonight as we pray. Father, we're so grateful tonight for your mercy and grace. Father, we humbly come before you tonight, God, and we thank you, Lord, knowing that we are a work in progress, Lord, that, Father, you've redeemed us. You've forgiven us, my God. We're thankful for that, God, and we know that you're continually helping us and transforming us, my God. And I pray for anyone here this evening, God, that is discouraged. Encourage them tonight. Father, anyone that is down and out, anyone that is struggling with their past, Father, I pray that tonight as we look at your perfect plan of redemption, God, that we would be encouraged, that we would walk out of here different tonight, Father. We're so grateful for all that you're doing. We thank you. We ask in Jesus' name. We all say amen, amen. Thank you, Jesus. So Rahab, the Bible says yes. It says, by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city. And right there... Many would stop reading this story because of her occupation, because of who she was. But we see in the word of God that God used her life powerfully for his plan. Now we're going to go to Joshua chapter 2 here. So if you could turn your Bibles there. I want to just give you a setting of what's taking place here. And we touched on this a few Sundays ago as I talked about a, a, a lessons from Ai. Ai how Joshua was now leading the people of Israel to the promised land. God used Moses for so many years, but Moses had died. So now Joshua was in command of the people of Israel, and he was given the task to take God's people into the promised land. We remember the story of the wandering Jews, right? For 40 years, they were in the wilderness, and God was uh, preparing them. God was preparing them to inherit the promised land. So now was the moment of truth. And here was Joshua given the task to take God's people into the promised land so in Joshua chapter 2 verse 1 we're going to read verse 1 through 7 as we kick this off it says "And Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove he instructed them here's what he said scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River especially around Jericho So the two men set out and they came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and they stayed there that night. But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. You know, we're going to keep reading, but I'm thinking about, and God uses all of our lives, and here were two spies, and in verse 2, you know, they're supposed to be spies. In verse 2, it says, but someone told the king of Jericho that some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So I wonder how good of a job they did as a spy, right? Because in verse 2, their cover's blown. Someone goes and, and tells the king, and then in verse 3, the king already comes to Rahab, so he knows right where they are. It's just stood out to me. Well, thank God for his plan, because we're going to see that God still used them powerfully, and it was all part of his plan. In verse 4, Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, Yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went, but if you hurry, you can probably catch up to them. In verse 6, actually, she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath the bundles of flax she had laid out. And then in verse 7, so the king's men went looking for the spies along the road leading to the shallow crossing, crossing of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men had left, the gate of Jericho was shut. Now, what's powerful here as we read about Rahab, we're going to see that she was a woman of faith. And we, we read that in Hebrews 11. Her faith was accounted to her righteousness. She believed what she heard. Now, as we jump to verse 8, it says, Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up to the roof to talk with them. Now, listen to what she says here in verse 9. She says, I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror, for we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. Rahab knew what was going on. She believed. It says, And we know what you did to Sihon and Og and the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord, listen to this, For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Wow. Wow. We understand what's taking place here. Here was Rahab. And we understand what, how she earned her livelihood. She, we understand how society may have looked at her. But here was someone that was speaking the truth. She believed in the power of God. You know, I have to think of the inner turmoil that, that she was dealing with. She probably was dealing with, with terror. She was probably afraid. Who knows? She was probably filled with shame. She was probably filled with regret. Who who knows what kind of upbringing she had? Who knows how she felt when society, he just cast her to the side? All these things that she felt. And I have to think that she in her heart was crying out to God as much as she knew how to do. And here we see in Joshua chapter 2, she's smack dab in the middle of the will of God. Isn't that powerful tonight? And I think it's a humbling truth that we can look at, and I think we could relate to this because we've all felt like failures at one time or another. We've all felt like outcasts. Only God knows tonight what it took to get you through the the church doors here tonight. Only God knows what kind of day you've had, what you've been experiencing perhaps at work or in your family or or within. God knows. God knows. And he sees it. And here was Rahab. Down and out. Frowned upon by society. See, we see here that God was preparing the way for his children to inherit the promised land. This was prophetic. This was God's, God's given land that he, that he gave them. That, he, that it was their inheritance. And right in the middle of this plan, here is Rahab the prostitute. We would think that it would have to be a righteous person in the eyes of men and women that would that would be instrumental, instrumental in the people of God inheriting their promised land. Isn't that how our brains work sometimes? Right? We we judge people, we look at situations, and and with our own self righteousness, sometimes we would say, you know, God would never use them, but God would use that person. God just blows our minds. He turns it on us, and and we see God's grace and mercy all over this situation. See, we see here the importance of faith when it comes to the Word of God. What was counted as righteousness to Rahab was her faith. She believed in the Word of God, she believed in what she heard about the power of God. You and I, church, do we still believe? This question is not asking you how often do you come to church? Are you in ministry or how many ministries are you in or or this or that? And all these things have their place. God wants us to serve and and we do that to the glory of God. But the question is, do you still believe in the things that you once believed? The power of God that is able to change a life. The power of his promise in your life, the power of his promise to heal you from that sickness that you've been struggling with. Perhaps you've been carrying something in your life and you've been believing God for deliverance. Do you still believe in the power of God to deliver you? Because his power is not limited at all. But do we believe? Life gets hard. We face disappointments. We face failures, sometimes in our own lives. Sometimes we feel we've been stabbed in the back or we've go through these different situations, but the question still remains, do we believe? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. My brother and sister, that is the most important thing. And each and every one of us have to answer that question for ourselves. Do we still believe? Yes, God, I still believe that you've called me. Lord, I still believe that your promise for my life is intact. God, I'm believing you for healing. I believe you in your word, that your word that tells me, God, that that by your stripes I am healed, God. I I believe that you're going to deliver me, God. I believe that you're going to accomplish all your plans in my life. Do we still believe? That's the question, believer. I think back of my salvation story many, many years ago when I heard the word of God, I received it. And I know you did as well. And what did that do? It made all the difference. You believed the truth of God's word, the truth of the gospel, and it changed your life. It changed your life. It made all the difference in the world. And there's a passage here uh, in the book of First Thessalonians where Paul is talk- talking to the church at Thessalonica, in First Thessalonians chapter two, verse thirteen. Listen, uh, two verse thirteen. The Bible says this. Therefore, we never stop thanking God that when you received his message from us, you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which, of course, it is. And this word continues to work in you who believe. See, when we heard the word of God, we received it, and it made all the difference in the world. Perhaps you're here for the first time tonight. Perhaps you're in a place of of struggle and, and you're not sure what you believe. I submit to you tonight that God has a plan for you. I declare over your life tonight that you're not here by accident, that it is God's appointed time and purpose that you're here listening tonight or perhaps you're watching online. It's part of God's plan. God has a perfect plan for you, but will you believe that message If your answer is yes, get ready to be blessed. If your answer is yes, get ready to receive his promise. See, it's how we receive the message that counts in this life. So much as, as you think about the word of God that goes over the pulpit, each and every service, the truth of God's word that's ministered every time we have service. The question is, do we receive it? Because we all hear it. But do we receive it? It's, it's as a pastor was talking about the altar. The altar is a place where we could come and we recognize, yes, Lord, that word was for me. And I'm going to make an altar call and declare that over my life. See, we hear many things, many preachings, but do we receive it? Parents, we understand how it is, right? Maybe when you're having to uh, give some correction to your children or, or you might call it scolding or whatever it is. But you understand the message if it's received or not. If they're looking at you, you can tell by the nonverbals, right? If they're hearing you, if they're receiving it. But we understand the nonverbals too when, when they're not, you know. They're, just, they're playing with this or that, right? We understand how it is. It's all about receiving the message, and this is done in faith. See, God's word is received and believed by faith. There's a passage in Mark chapter 5, verse 28. We understand the story here. The Bible talks about the woman with the issue of blood. How the Bible says that she spent her livelihood on physicians and doctors, but no one could could cure her. No one could heal her. She spent everything that she had on doctors and, and what money can buy, but still she was in the same place. Wasn't that how it was with you and I? We tried this, we tried that. We went to this person, we went to that person. But still, there was no true spiritual deliverance. But here we see a powerful passage in, in Mark chapter 5, verse 28, as we talk about the woman with the issue of blood. It says, for she thought to herself. The Bible says she came to herself and, and she reasoned in herself. It says she thought to herself, if I could just touch his robe, I will be healed. If I could just touch Jesus, if I could just get to church, and if I could hear the word of God, if I could worship Jesus, if I could touch Jesus, I will be healed, I will be delivered, I will be encouraged. Things in my life will change if I could just touch the hem of his garment. This is what she thought to herself, and it was in faith, and it made all the difference. Church, never underestimate the power of the word of God. Never underestimate the power of coming here into the house of God with expectation, believing that God has a word for you, believing that you had a hard day. But if I could just get to church, if I could just worship God in his presence with his people, if I could hear the word of God, if I could receive the word of God, it's going to make all the difference in my life. This is why Rahab was used so powerfully in this passage here. I want want to also talk about faith in family, because here this is pivotal, and this is called out in this story with Rahab. See, as believers, our faith is so effective in leading many others into the kingdom of God, right? People we don't know, people we may minister to, but it's so effective in leading our families into the kingdom with us. It's a responsibility that we have, for example, we understand what God says about the marriage union. We understand how God says to be fruitful and multiply. It says what God has joined together, let no one put asunder. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, there's a powerful passage. just talking about marriage for a moment. 1 Corinthians seven fourteen. Listen to this. Talking about the power of family and union. For the Christian wife brings holiness to her marriage, and the Christian husband brings holiness to his marriage. For those in this place that may be here uh, and your spouse is not saved, I want to encourage you tonight to, to stay the course, to keep being faithful to God because as you're serving God as your righteousness, that righteousness is being accounted to them as well. It says here, the Christian wife brings holiness to her marriage and the Christian husband brings holiness to his marriage. The Bible says, the King James Version says, they are sanctified by one another. Isn't that powerful tonight? That's that's powerful that they're sanctified by one another. Now, let's look in our text in Joshua chapter 2 as we're reading about Rahab, Joshua 2.12. Now, here's what she tells the spies as she's received the word. She understands the truth and the power of God and what's gonna take place. Listen to what she says, Joshua 2.12. It says, now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, see, she had faith. She knew it was going to be conquered already. When Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and my mother and my brothers and sisters and all of their families. See, God is concerned about family. It's so important to him. He, he, it's part of his plan. In verse 14, here was their reply. We offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety. The men agreed. If you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us the land. I want to encourage you tonight, believer. You're praying for your family. God is concerned about your family. You're believing God for your family, for salvation, for redemption. God's concerned. God's more concerned than you and I. You can't may not be able to imagine this, but he loves your children more than you, more than I. And I don't see how that's possible, right? But we understand God's love is so powerful that He's concerned with your, your brother, your sister, your parents, your mom or daddy, your grandparents, your aunts and uncles, your cousins. He's concerned and He's well aware and He hears your prayers tonight. Continue to pray for them. I look out here, man, I, I'm just so blessed. I look out here into the auditorium, and I see lives that are here. I see family members. I see children of of parents who've been praying for for families in this place, for children to come into the house of God, to worship God, and look, it's so powerful. God moves so powerfully. Never stop praying. God's going to bring them in. Thank you, Jesus. It's your promise, church. Do we remember Lot, Abraham's nephew, Genesis 19:12. We remember Sodom and Gomorrah, how God saved and had mercy on, on Abraham and, and, and on his nephew Lot in Genesis 19:12. We understand the story where the angels came and they were gonna bring destruction on the town, and they came to Lot's house. And listen to what the angels told Lot. It says: Meanwhile, the angels questioned Lot, Do you have any other relatives here in the city? They asked. Get them out of this place, your, son, your sons-in-law, sons, daughters, or anyone else. See, the first thing was God asked, do you have any other relatives here in the, fa- in, in the city? God was concerned with family. He desires to save our families. He desires to use us as an example, as, as, as a testimony to lead our families to salvation. Don't be discouraged. If your family's not with you here tonight, they're going to be here with you. In Jesus' name. If you're praying for them, they're going to be here with you. I believe that in Jesus' name. In this beautiful story of Rahab, we also see the power of the blood of Jesus as prophetically told in Joshua two seventeen and 18. Here were the spies, and they were getting ready to leave Jericho, and they were going to go gear up and get ready to, to invade Jericho. But before they left they said this Joshua 2:17 it says before they left the men told her we will be bound by the oath we have taken only if you follow these instructions right we understand Rahab was saying you know spare me and my family when, when you guys invade and so here's here was their reply look at in verse 18 when we come into the land you must leave the scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down And all your family members, your father, mother, brothers, and all your relatives must be here inside the house. Does anyone know what that scarlet rope represents? What do you think about scarlet, the color of scarlet? The blood of Jesus. Someone's got it. Thank you, Jesus. Represents the blood of Jesus. Here was prophetically told, the, the blood of Jesus, how he would protect us, how... How he would save us. And we understand even in in the book of Exodus chapter 12 verse 23. We understand how in that story the death angel went all throughout Egypt. And all the firstborn were going to be killed. But the Bible says in Exodus 12 23. For the Lord will pass through the land to strike down the Egyptian. But when he sees the blood. When he sees the blood. Can you say amen? Can you say thank you Jesus? But when he sees the blood on the top and sides of the door frame. The Lord will pass over your home. He will not permit his death death angel to enter your house and strike you down this is a beautiful picture of the blood of jesus and what he does for our lives and does for our family church believer continue praying for your family continue praying for your loved one be that example be be that light in this dark world and continue to follow christ and they will be saved thank you jesus nothing but the blood of jesus can you say amen It's nothing but the blood of Jesus. We're here because of the blood of Jesus. We're here because of his beautiful sacrifice, and we see that here taking place in the life, in the story of Rahab. God is good in this place. A beautiful legacy. It's God's desire for each and every one of us to leave behind a beautiful legacy. Every single one of us in this place. Pastor Matt, you don't know my past. You don't know about my failures, the things that I've done, the things that I've thought, the things that I've, I've, I've conceived to do, the things that I've done in my life. You don't understand. You don't know. But this picture of Rahab in her life, this is a picture of grace, of God's power, of God's redemption, someone that was looked and frowned upon by society. She was used so powerfully here with the people of God, a beautiful legacy. Now, as we jump into Joshua chapter 6, we understand the story of Jericho, right? We've, we've read about that in Sunday school, and we've understood uh, the stories where the people of God, they marched around Jericho for six days, right? And we understand that the Lord's command was on the seventh day to, to blow the, 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 the trumpets and the horns and to worship. And we understand, and we see how the walls tumbled, how God gave them wonderful and powerful victory. Well, let's not forget about Rahab. She's not forgotten. The story doesn't end yet. So here we see in Joshua 6, the Bible says, Meanwhile, Joshua said, and here's Joshua. They had just invaded Jericho. They were victorious. And they were going to clean out the land and clean out the city. But it says, Meanwhile, Joshua said to the two spies, Keep your promise. Go to the prostitute's house and bring her out, along with all her family. Again, there's family. The men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab. Listen to this. It's such a beautiful picture of God's grace. The men who had been spies, they went in and they brought out Rahab. Her father, her mother, her brothers, and all other relatives who were with her. It doesn't stop there. They moved her whole family to a safer place near the camp of Israel. She was relocated to the very, near the very people of God. The people of God, the, the, the Jews, God's people, it says they moved her whole family to a safer place near the camp of Israel. Do we understand the power there? Here was Rahab, the prostitute, again at one time, was frowned upon by society. Uh, she felt like a failure. She did so many things that she was probably ashamed of. But here we see that she was dealt with esteem. It says, they moved her whole family to a safe place near the camp of Israel. Then the Israelites burned the town and everything in it. Only the things made from silver and gold, bronze and iron were kept for the treasury of the Lord's house. So Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute and her relatives. Again, we see relatives and family who were with her in the house because she had hidden the spies Joshua sent to Jericho, and she lives among the Israelites to this day. What a memory. What a powerful, powerful story about God's redemption, about God being able to use anyone for his purpose. So if you're in this place and you feel like a failure, it's okay, God's blood is there to wash you, to redeem you, if you've made mistakes, it's okay, God is there to forgive you. If you feel that you're not qualified, it's okay, the blood of Jesus qualifies us, he redeems us, he justifies us, the Bible says, thank you Jesus. If anyone told you that your past is all that you have and that's, that's going to be the only thing that ever directs you, then think again, brother and sister. Think again. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for my life. Rahab, who at one time was an outcast of society, she is now spoken of in the hall of faith. Thank you, Jesus. It's so powerful that Rahab lived among God's chosen people. She was with God's chosen people probably blew her mind never did she imagine that she would be living with the very people of God the people of God that that at one time struck terror in her life at one time thought that they were just coming to destroy us but now God had her live with the people of God with his people she was able to live among God's chosen and why it was because of her faith it was because of her faith tonight That's all we have, church. Hold on to your faith. Don't turn it in for anything. Don't throw in the towel. You may be tired in this place. Hold on to your faith. Stand. You may feel that it's unpopular, that no one else is doing it there, perhaps at your school or in your family or wherever you're at, but stand. Continue to stand in faith, and God is going to accomplish his plan and his will for your life. Thank you, Jesus. Joshua 2.19, is powerful here because the Bible says that Rahab lived along the walls of Jericho. I don't know if it's verse 19, I might have that wrong. But the Bible says that she lived along the walls of Jericho. That's why she was able to let the spies out. You think of the city center. You think that's the place to be. That's where the the people of Renown are. That's where people want to be. But here was Rahab who was, was an outcast. She lived along the walls, and God used it as part of his beautiful plan. And believer, if you've ever felt like a failure, if you ever felt that your story is done because of a decision or because of what you're going through, I have good news for you tonight as we close and as a worship team makes their way up. I want to close this message off tonight with a look at Matthew chapter 1. You may say, why are we going to read Matthew chapter 1? I know about Matthew chapter 1. It's about genealogy. It's a lot of names that that they're difficult to pronounce. And why are we going to go to Matthew chapter 1 when we talk about faith, when we talk about Rahab? Now, I don't know what your Bible says, but I'm looking at my Bible here, and the the heading of this passage of Matthew chapter 1, it says this, the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah. The ancestors of Jesus the Messiah. Now, imagine if your name was in this chapter, was in this opening passage. It'd be powerful, right? It'd be powerful. We see that God's grace continues to work in Rahab's life. So now let's look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 4 through 6. We're going to read some names here. The Bible says Ram was the father of Aminadab. Aminadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz. What does it say there in your Bible, church? Whose mother was who? Rahab. You mean Rahab the prostitute that's how the Bible described her way back in, in the book of Joshua that's exactly who we're talking about but greater than that more powerfully than that Rahab the hero of faith Rahab who, Rahab who believed the Word of God and as we jump down to Matthew chapter 1 verse 16 it goes on and the genealogy continues And Rahab's name is in this passage. In verse 16, Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus, who was called the Messiah. Church, never, ever, ever count yourself out. Never think that your plan is done. That God has forgotten about you. you've made one too many mistakes so God has just cast you off never believe that lie because the Bible tells us that there's hope among the living as long as you and I have breath in our lungs believer brother and sister there's hope for you as long as you and I stand in faith and we have breath in our lungs God's plan is working in our life that we're receiving those promises each and every day as we receive them as we believe in faith God's plan is at work in your life, even when you can't see it sometimes. Even when you don't feel it sometimes. If you felt like a failure, I felt like a failure. Made mistakes, thought things I shouldn't have thought, things I regret, right? We've all felt that. The story of Rahab is so beautiful because while society stamped her with a certain name, she's now now talked about for all eternity in Hebrews chapter 11 in the hall of faith. Why? Because she believed. And tonight, believer, receive God's word. Receive God's promise for your life, His plan for your life, and believe. And in the same way, you're going to have an impact in your family, at your workplace, in your church, in society, in your community, in your neighborhood. Why? Because you're standing in Him and because you're believing. And with that, we can be encouraged. God can still use our lives. God still has a plan and a purpose. Never feel that you're done with, that you're washed up, that God is through with you. See, that's the lie of the enemy. The enemy would tell you that it's no more use. Why try anymore? Just go, just get out of church. You shouldn't come to church anymore. Don't be a hypocrite, right? We've heard all that. God says, No, come to me. Come unto me, all you who are weary. Heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We remember the story of the prodigal son, right? He came to his father. In his own mind, he was, he was dealing with shame and defeat. In his own mind, he thought that his father was going to rebuke him, that his father was just going to make him a slave, that his father was just probably going to ridicule him and scold him. But what did his father do? And, and the father here is a representation of God and of Jesus. The Bible says that he ran to him while he was afar off. The last thing that the prodigal son would have ever imagined that his, was that his father would run to him, would celebrate, would rejoice, would thank God. And if you're in this place tonight, my, my brother and my sister, if you feel defeated, you feel that your story's over, it's not over. If you would just come to him, if you would just run to Jesus, if you would just take that first step, he's going to run to you. He's going to receive you with open arms. He's going to fulfill his promise in your life. All you have to do is say yes. All you have to do is take that first step. God's going to have his way. Thank you, Jesus. Church, let's bow our heads tonight. We're going to pray. We're going to prepare. for.